The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith, one of your hosts, certified financial planner and CEO of Seattle-based wealth management firm. Empirical Investing Radio is designed to help you make smarter financial decisions with your investments and with your financial planning. Today, I also have co-host Ethan Broga. Hey, Ken. <laughs> hey, Ethan. How's it going today? Good. Are you broganating? Uh, all over. <laughs> I like your style. I like your style. <laughs> well, so. it's good to be here. Good to be here. Let's get ready to drop some of those uh, juicy e-nuggets of uh, investment knowledge today. All right. <laughs> Boy, you're in, a, you're in a spunky mood today, Ken. Yeah, uh, well. Did you have enough coffee or tea, or what are you drinking these days? Um, yeah, we got the golden monkey running wild here. Oh, very office, good. So hand-picked uh, oolong. Excellent. Monkey pick. Monkey I'm pick. Sorry. All right. Oolong, it's, it's quite tasty. I have yet to try some of that. So I'll have to do that at some point. You should check it out. Check it out. It's very soothing. Why don't we get our, our, our contact information here to get things going off here? All right. Let's do it. Um, as always, you can reach us at uh, contact at empiradio.com, or you can reach either of us directly here at the office at 800-923-4307. And if you have questions, uh, you know, we'd, we would love to hear from you, in fact, um, either via email or call us directly. We'd love to. What kind of questions, Ethan? Well, you know, I'm Maybe thinking... that's where we're, we're going askew. Really, can be, I like trivia yeah. questions. Could be something like that, or it okay. could be you know more on topic related personal to questions, investments, or relationship, <laughs> or financial planning. Probably okay. You're more the relationship guy, so maybe those would be be directed toward you. That, yeah, that'd be good. All right. You always Might have, have good. You always have good advice. Helpful nuggets for you, at least. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, if you're a, an investor or or perhaps you're looking for a second opinion in your portfolio, um, we would love to have the opportunity to go over things with you and. And kind of share with you our philosophy and how we would construct things given the information you, you provide to us. And if you're um, a professional out there, professional advisor already working with clients and are looking to partner up with a, a well-established firm, um, we would love to hear from you as well. Again, we've we felt we've built a pretty good infrastructure to deliver our, our client service and have a pretty good, uh, well, I would say excellent, in fact, um, 
investment approach that we'd love to um, help you implement with your own clients and, and so forth. So we would love to hear from you. Again, 800-923-4307. And maybe um, if you just want us to, do, to let you know if you're diversified properly, you know, a little are you diversified type of a scenario, uh, we'd be happy to take a look at that. Yeah. Take a look at the, uh, I think one of the, the biggest things we uncover is there's always, uh, frequently there's room to uh, better diversify and better structure the asset class exposures mm-hmm. that we see in individuals' portfolios. Yeah, a lot of times if you, you know, if you're an individual investor, you have, uh, you know, one stock is a, is a crazy example, just one stock in your entire portfolio. Clearly your returns, your investment success is hinged to the outcome of that one one stock. Um, same is true if you just own the S&P 500, right? It's more diversified than the one stock, but your, your returns are going to be hinged to the S&P 500 exclusively. Mm-hmm. And I think by diversifying the, in the context of the, we're talking about it, um, you really eliminate the, the possibility of, of running into significantly low, low returns for a sustained period of time. Yeah. You know, like the S&P for the last 11 years, we were just looking at it before the show. I think it was about 1% for the last 11 right. years on average. If you invested only in the S&P and you're in retirement and you're you know, taking money out of that portfolio, ten years, last 10 years wasn't good for you. But if you built a globally diversified equity portfolio along with a reasonable bond portfolio, you probably did okay. Yeah. So one of the things that we, maybe we can talk about. Hmm. Good point, Ethan. Well, today, I, I, we t- uh, Simon, by the way, there's a battery on the floor here. I don't know if this is yours, but um, um, <laughs> where that came from. Or why we're talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, today I thought we would talk about a discussion we've been holding uh, with investors recently on uh, a different approach to building risk-managed portfolios. Um, A lot of investors, Ethan, I think they, as we went through the market crisis, the financial crisis, as it were, and the... Mm -hmm. Markets on a global basis declined uh, pretty rapidly and severely uh, to uh, historic proportions. Yep. Um, and uh, we were on the brink of a, of a global depression. I think a lot of people were scared and uh, going through that time. And maybe they, they've pulled their money out of stocks altogether. And they've been in more conservative investments like CDs or, or just sitting in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't paying a whole heck of a lot. Right. So we had uh, designed a little discussion to show how, you know, there are ways to participate in the market and use the, the science um, and the, you know, 80 years of, of great market research on, on portfolio construction to build a portfolio that uh, helps you, you know, would, would help you to get back involved without, uh, without putting you over the psychological edge of being incredibly aggressive, right? So we called it the risk risk uh, managed portfolio strategies. Mm-hmm. I thought we we could walk through some of this this information and uh, get it out there in a broader you know, broader spectrum here. I think that sounds great. That sounds good. All right. uh, maybe I'll just start here and as yeah, you, why don't you take us through it and you we'll feel into okay? Yeah. Yeah, well, this conversation usually starts with uh, similar preferences you just made. You know, the last uh, downturn here was pretty severe, and a lot of people, you know, is very at times could be scary. And even now, after we've emerged, at least stocks have emerged uh, through this this 
period of recovery the last two years, there still is a lot of things out there that on the horizon that really could be potential issues that, you know, derail a, a further recovery in stocks or mean further economic troubles from the United States or from countries around the world. I mean, uh, let's go back to the year 2000. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk about some of the things. I mean, if you look at the last 11, a little bit over 11 years here, Mm -hmm. it's been a pretty wild ride when you think about it, Uh, counting the Y2K issue. Remember that? I do remember that. Everyone thought that, uh, I mean, a lot of people thought there was going to be the end of the the world as we know it right on y2k and um but we went through two pretty severe stock market crashes yeah 50 from peak to bottom and a lot of uh, 50 percent if you measure it on a on a daily basis um that's right a lot the first three years of the decade uh obviously were negative for the s&p and it was down a total of about 50 percent top to bottom and then obviously 2008 through 2009 here Top to bottom again, about fifty percent on the S and P and other asset classes. We uh, two two recessions. Um, uh, one of the worst man-made disasters here recently with the oil spill and right. Uh, huge natural disaster here in the in the U.S. with the uh, Hurricane Katrina yep. situation. Exactly. Um, yeah, U.S. budget deficit going through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Unemployment at all-time highs. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people, people, investors could be sour, I guess, over the last 11 years looking at what's happened. Yep. Um, you know, I think uh, it's interesting. It really, no matter how you, what your view specifically is, um, you could really arrange, you know, uh, these events and, and broadcast in the future or project in the future. Boy, the returns obviously are going to be lower. You know, that seems like that could be an obvious conclusion. But the same to- token, you could really arrange these different different things as you know, threats or opportunities in a way. Yeah. And depending on your, your own viewpoint, you could construct these things in a, in a way that either is positive or negative. You know, you can have an optimistic view of the future or you can have a negative view of the future. And, you know, most likely neither of them are going to be exactly correct, in my view. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there there are things... If we said what 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 do we what can happen over the next ten or twenty years? Clearly, many of the things that happened over the last decade plus were not uh, we predicted. And one of the other things that happened we didn't mention was one of the worst the worst terrorist attack on American soil right. in history. Right? Um, not a lot of us were expecting that, and uh, so and who knows what's going to happen in the next ten years? But if we look at things, I mean, things that I've heard people talk about, and hey, we could have inflation, we could have deflation, we could have stagflation, you know, that, <laughs> right? I mean, any of these are possibilities. Right. Sure. Um, currently, I think the Fed is expecting and hoping we'll have moderate inflation, but, but who knows what will actually happen, right? Yeah, the future is definitely uncertain, um, one way or the other. You've probably heard this, hey, we've got all these baby boomers that are going to be pulling money out of the markets right, to live off of. So that could be a negative. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet at the same time, um, there could be opportunities. You know, uh, China becoming a, you know, very large, second largest world economy. Depending on how you stack that up, you know, if you're invested there, could be an opportunity. Right. Um, That's a good point. Global competition, technology continues to to, uh, 
improve productivity and expand. Um, so there's there's a lot of things out there. You know, markets seem to be volatile. That could be stacked, as you mentioned, as as opportunities or or threats. Right. That's why on CNBC, when you, you usually bring, a lot of times you'll see them bring two different people on, and one will talk about how great the stock market's doing. Um, and how op- optimistic they are. And then another one will say, hey, we're way overvalued. The market's right. going down. Right. Um, both of them have access to the information. Just they're focusing on different pieces of it and emphasizing different areas. Right. Yeah, they're connecting the dots differently to paint a different picture. So what does that mean? That's, you know, we try to always get to the practical rather than bring two guys on and let them argue and then go, okay, well, now you're totally confused. Maybe there's a better approach, a more empirical approach, Ethan. I think that's true. <laughs> I mean, you, you'll always, as an investor, find things that aren't, you know, uh, about the future that don't look good. You always find things that, that do look pretty good. Um, but I think as an investor, it, the better you can do, better you are at turning out those things, the, the better off you are. Um, you make the assumption that you actually don't know the future rather than pretend that we, all, that we do. And I think build a portfolio with that in mind would, would serve us all pretty well. And particularly with uh, the types of portfolios we're talking about uh, in this this discussion today, um, bringing that to bear onto your own retirement is something that would be uh, obviously very important to do. So as we're faced as, as investors, all of us at one point or another, especially as we get closer to retirement, we're really balancing a couple of different things, right? We want to, at the same time, we want to... Uh, maximize the quality of, uh, of our, our life while we're healthy as we enter retirement. Oh, you know what? We're coming up on a, on a break here. Perhaps we should... All right, let's take a break. We'll jump back in this. I think that sounds All good. Right. Be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. 
autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope through education and conversation. There is hope. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All righty then. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ken and Ethan here. We're talking about risk-managed portfolios and a little discussion we've been having with uh, clients and, and investors recently. And um, so, Ethan, you know, before we, we dive uh, back into this, yep. um, basically we were saying before the break, a lot's gone on the last 11 years, very little of which was predicted by any market guru or investor. Um, a few had some of the things right, made some good calls. But in general, it's pretty tough, right? Right. So what's the best approach, and we're going to talk about it, to investing? Exactly. And I think we were saying right before the break that, in our view, the best approach to investing is one that doesn't, isn't dependent on predicting the future for success, right? Yeah. I, I think that it's impossible to know with precision what the future will hold one way in any, any aspect of, of virtually any part of life, basically. But particularly when it comes to investing, there's not a lot of uh, uh, successful folks out there that have, have a real good track record of, of consistently predicting the future. You know, uh, as Ken, Ken likes to say, he likes to leave those to the psychics, right? That's right. Leave that stuff to the psychics. Leave that exercise to them. Right. Um, and, and you don't need to, thankfully, to predict the future to have, to have good returns with a portfolio. Um, what you need to do is follow some simple, relatively simple, you know, uh, fundamental principles of portfolio construction and, and follow that dutifully and you'll be rewarded for that over time. I mean, right. again and again and again, history shows that a diversified, well-balanced portfolio does well and does not require uh, predicting the future, which we know is, is very, very difficult to do and frankly impossible if you try. Right. You need to, you need to take out the, the risks uh, associated with stock and bond markets that are unrewarded risks or mm-hmm. risks that, you know, are catastrophic 
uh, can wipe out your portfolio. You need to have a, you, you want to structure a portfolio. It gives you the highest probability of being successful and is grounded in sound investment principles. Right. In our view, that's, when you do that and you take away the focus on predicting, you know, trying to digest day-to-day market news and, and predict the future, it's an incredibly calming uh, experience. It's, it brings a certain um, peace of mind and, uh, you know, just a sense of calm that allows you to focus your energy on things that are more important, like your kids, your family, mm-hmm. um, the work you're doing, um, than, than worrying about trivial day-to-day market issues. Right. So proceed on, Ethan. All right. So as we, as you enter retirement, obviously you have, you have many things obviously probably on your mind, but in, in general, there's really two things that we're, we're trying to balance. We're trying to you know, maximize our, our utility of our wealth, to maximize our, our quality of life while we're healthy early and in retirement, um, and also financially support and sustain the people that we care about and love right now. And we don't want to do that to the extent where we're sacrificing the future, right? We don't want to go out and, and give all our money away right when we retire. We want to have it last for a long period of time. And we want to prevent running out of money later in life. And a lot of times we also may want to leave a legacy to our, 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 our heirs, our, our family members. So it really is ban- balancing those things, you know, in, as you go into retirement that um, most folks are trying to do. Right. And it's, you know, it takes a little bit of work. And there's, uh, there's some things you can do, though, that I think would, would make that easier for you. Well, I think you need a portfolio, right, that's going to get you through. I mean, one of the reasons people may be more frugal early in retirement than they need to be is they're uncertain about how their investments are going to do. Sure. Um, so I, 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 you and I have both found in our careers that those are two key issues. How much money can I spend now while I'm healthy? Um, but I also don't want to run out of money. Uh, and how much do I need to keep for later years, right? Mm-hmm. And those years can be a lot longer than they used to be in right. terms of retirement. That's exactly correct. In, in fact, um, you know, we talk about it in these presentations. If you're currently age 62, you know, you can do this little self, <laughs> self-discussion uh, over, the, over the airwaves right now. You better believe it. What would you guess, if you're sitting there by yourself or with somebody else listening to the show here, what would you guess, uh, if you're age 62, what are the, what's the likelihood of, of uh, a couple, of one, of one of you, say you're married, both of you age 62, what are the odds of, say, living to age 80 currently? Yeah. Turns out that it's 88%. In 88% chance that if you're age 62, married right now... One of you is going to have a, an 18-year... Minimum time horizon there for retirement. Exactly. 88%. So pretty likely. Yeah. And 85, reaching 85, there's a 71% chance that one of you, if you're currently at 62, would live that long. Still pretty high. Very high. And age 90 even, a whopping 44%. Wow. You know, it's pretty pretty staggering. Pretty, It's not quite 50-50 anymore, but still very, very likely. Yeah. And even living beyond that, there the, the likelihoods of, you know, we're all living longer and longer. Um, longer lives are now uh, with the advancement of medical care and so forth. So you really do have a long-term time frame, even if you are just you know entering retirement. You have many, many years, lo- and oftentimes decades left of life. Yeah. You want to make sure your portfolio is constructed in a way that uh, allows you to live, you know, the way you really want to during that. There's a five percent chance that someone's going to live. One of them's going to live to hundred, and to really be safe, we tend to use a hundred in our retirement plans. That's right. 
So when we're working with individual clients, we typically do use 100 unless there's some other really good reason not to. We like to right. be conservative on that. All right. Uh, so that's one of the things. Longevity is a big issue. And they're really, because there's such long periods of time, people are living a little longer and longer. There's really two big portfolio threats that, that could jeopardize you know, your success in retirement. And we've probably, there's lots of things, but we've narrowed it down to two big ones that we think. And one of those two enemies is, is inflation. Um, this is more or less the, the silent killer. You know, from year to year, most folks aren't too worried about it. But over the course of your retirement life, it's going to be an, have a major impact on how well you're able to, to sustain your standard of living that you'd like. And then the other thing we've identified is really the, the volatility, eliminating unnecessary volatility from the portfolio. In fact, in our discussion, we, we titled that the tsunami. Um, it's something that really can come up on a surprise, uh, surprise you and, and then devastate a lot of times if you make wrong choices when you have volatile markets. Right. So when you're building your portfolio, those are the two, two key things you wanna, we're going to talk about a little bit. Right. How do you how do you make sure you're protected against those? Because they're both they're both big potential threats. Exactly. Yeah. Um, looking at inflation first, we can talk about that a little bit. You know, the average. Uh, we we actually have a pretty nice uh, presentation that uh, shows graphically what inflation has been like since 1953 through 2010. And uh, as it stands right now, the inflation rate is about one and a half percent. Uh, which is far, far below the average inflation for the entire period of time, which is about 7.3%. Uh, 3.73. So I got that yeah. backwards. 3.73%. That's the average over the last um, many years since 1953. Mm-hmm. And at periods in time, obviously, back in the 70s and early 80s, inflation was as high as, uh, you know, 15%. Double digit. Yeah. Pretty incredible. And yeah. and so that one and a half, that was, that was 2010, uh, what the CPI number was. Um, it's it's been very few years over the over that sixty some year period of time here that we've had that low of inflation, right? In a particular year, yep. And so you know, it's one thing to assign numbers to inflation and, and think about that, but in in real terms, what does that mean? Well, it just means that we, you know, back in in, in 1970, the average house cost twenty six thousand six hundred dollars. Well, today it's two hundred ninety one thousand dollars. That's actually an increase of about 6% per year. So it's about 10 times more expensive now than it was 1970 to buy a house. Uh, you know, stamps back in 1970 cost $0.06. Today they're $0.44 cents for first class. That's about a, a 5% annual rate or, uh, or seven times um, the original price back in 1970. So these are the, the, the real prices of, of these particular items going back a long ways. And gasoline... Uh, it's about two ninety eight now. Actually, it's higher today. I'm sure. Yeah, th- this was as of uh, the end of <laughs> end December, right? But. Yeah, since the end of December, so we're only talking a couple of months later, and it's already yeah. you know sixty cents higher, probably. Yeah, approaching four bucks a gallon, I'd guess. So it's at least uh, you know it's about six or seven times higher than it was uh, from nineteen seventy. That's that's real inflation. That's the stuff that erodes your wealth over time. Is a silent type of uh, dripping, dripping, sucking away of your wealth with inflation. Well, if you had a million dollars, Ethan, in 1970, and you didn't earn any interest on it, you just kept it under your pillow, um, what would inflation do to that, right? And in today's dollars, you know, basically down to about $173,000. Wow. So, uh, in essence, you know, if you didn't if you didn't stay ahead of inflation, the effect of it. 
Wow. So in 1970, if you had a million bucks, that same million dollars, if you did nothing in terms of investing with it, it would only buy $173,000 worth of goods now. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's staggering. And then we mentioned that time frame, you know, 1970 to now is obviously a long period of time, but that's a pretty large chunk of what most people can expect to, in retirement, you know, 30 yeah. plus years. Well, I think about that. I mean, you, you were trying to pull out, uh, if you were in retirement, mm-hmm. you're trying to pull income out of that portfolio. You've got $173,000 in today's dollars to pull income out of, right? If you lived long enough, right. it's not going to work. Right. Um, you know, the old four, 4% rule of thumb, right? Right. Well, that 40 grand, obviously that 4% of 173 is not nearly as much as it was yeah. many years ago. All right, good. Kent, why don't you... So, you know, you, you got to... You, you, with, in, with inflation rate uh, risk in a portfolio... Right, if you have a portfolio that's too conservative, you're sitting there in cash earning b- virtually zero, right, Ethan? Right. Um, you you run that risk if you do it for too long, um, and we'll talk about how interest rate risk is is also a current issue, and how to manage both of those at the same time when we come back from a break here, real quick, and then we'll talk about the volatility component, and we'll put it all together. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at empiricalfs.com. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Again, if you want to give us a call, dial 1-800-923-4307. We're here uh, 8 to 5 at minimum. Some of us are cranking out uh, even more hours than that. But uh, 1-800-923-4307. If you want to email me directly, you can email me at ksmith at empiricalfs.com. And empirical is E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L. FS, com. Ethan, we're going through our risk-managed portfolio discussion. Right. And uh, before the break, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit. Let's hasten it. Uh, we've got two more segments here. But we're talking about inflation, how that's a real issue, uh, and the threat that that pr- proposes to a retirement plan. Right. And I kind of lump in in our discussion interest rate risk. There's this discussion out there in the markets and investors are concerned about a bond market bubble, this idea that, mm-hmm. that bonds are in this bubble. Um, and I thought maybe we could briefly define what that is and what people are really worried about and, and in our portfolios, how we manage that risk and how we manage the inflation and interest rate or bond, this idea of a bond market bubble risk yeah, right. collectively sure. and then relate that to the, the stock side of the portfolio that we do. Right. So... Yeah, well, I think one of the, yeah. obviously that one of the biggest risks that if you if you own bonds right now, most people would be concerned about this idea that well, hey, rates are pretty are pretty low, right? Yeah, it's no coincidence as Ken was saying in the break here uh, that inflation is as low, and obviously interest rates are pretty low. There's very high core historical high correlation between the two. The end of the year, you hear we you know you had uh, well just a few weeks ago. I don't know what it is now, but ten year treasuries at three point six eight percent is the yield on those. Okay. Uh, Long term. Again, going back into the 50s, they average about 6.3. Right. So, I mean, not quite, uh, almost half of, right, what the long-term historical average has been. And they, in the 70s and 80s, when inflation was peaking, you had 10-year Treasury rates getting above 14 15%. Right. So... So the risk is right now a lot of people are concerned, but particularly as you know, longer-term bonds, if, if there's a, a, an, a, an adjustment in interest rates upward, obviously the, the value of, of your bond will decline and primarily depending on the maturity level. So if you own very, very long-term bonds, you can expect that, in fact, when rates do go up, uh, that the long-term bonds would be hit much harder than the short-term bonds, right? Right, and an example of that would be if you had a, uh, if, if all of a sudden you bought a bond and the very next day, you bought, let's say you bought treasury bonds, uh, and the very next day interest rates went up 4%. Right. 
you know, so overnight. From, yeah, overnight from three point six three right uh, to to that to seven point six three. It just skyrockets overnight. Uh, if you had a thirty-year Treasury, you'd see about forty-three percent of the value of that disappear, right? Uh, of that bond that you just bought the day before. Right. You you bought a hundred thousand-dollar bond. Uh, one day, the next day, interest rates go up four percent. The next day, it's worth fifty-six thousand dollars. Right. Now you're going to hold it, and eventually you'll get your your principal back, right? right? But you'll see that immediate decline. So if you had to sell it the very next day, that's what you're going to sell it for. Right. If you had a three-year Treasury, however, you would see about a ten, almost eleven percent drop. Uh, and that, again, that four percent in one day is a pretty huge shock we're using here to give you a, a good example. A taste of, of how it works, right? But you can you can certainly see the difference in the volatility. I mean, that 100000 now is worth about 89000 Not much of a drop mm-hmm. relative to what you experience out on a 30-year bond. Right. So is there a, a bond bubble? Well, I if, if we're describing a bubble as the potential to lose a lot of money being in bonds, it's the long-term bonds that, that you should be worried about. Exactly. Um, not necessarily shorter-term bonds. Right. Right? And research has shown that when you stick in the about a five-year average maturity range, you kind of get the sweet spot of, of the return of the yield um, that bonds offer with the risk that they present for that, for that maturity risk or that time duration that you're talking about. Right. You get the, most, the nicest part of the return with the most appropriate level of risk. And that's over a an entire period that includes an interest rate environment and a declining interest rate. So it has a variety, not just one or the other. Right. Uh, clearly, if we knew that interest rates were going to go up, we knew at what rate they were going to go up each year for the next 10 years, um, you could certainly adjust and build the perfect portfolio for that. And exactly when they right. would go up. Yeah. Right. It That's requir- important. It requires all that information as well. You get it exactly right, which is obviously hard to do. Okay. So we're just making, talking about the relationship between... Uh, current interest rates and bond volatility. Right. The longer you extend maturities, the more risky your bond portfolio is, in essence. And on average, we see uh, if you were to take a graph and stick the ten-year Treasury yields and lay over the inflation rates, mm-hmm. um, you'd see that inflation has historically tended to move along with yields. You know, we see inflation go up, yields tend to go up. Yep, it's logical, right? Because if you're going to buy a bond. Um, you want to make sure you're not losing purchasing power, right? So the, the market tends to have to offer a yield commensurate with what expected inflation rates are. Otherwise, no one would buy them. And very frequently, the indicator of that is, well, what were they last year? And research has shown that that's probably one of the better ways to make a prediction about inflation on a very short-term basis. Right. Right. Is, hey, you know, what is it? What has it been? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Those two kind of move together. Right. So the way you re- you can manage both of them, let's talk about that now. Okay. So step one, keep the maturities reasonably short. However, you don't want to keep them too short, right? There's there's a, uh, a trade-off in, re- in terms of in most markets, you have a positive sloping yield curve, meaning as you extend maturities, the yield tends to get higher. Mm-hmm. So if we were looking at uh, the current yield on a, a one-month treasury bill, is about 0.08 at the time we put this together. 0.08, eight tenths of one percent, <laughs> right? That's low. <laughs> or a five-year treasury is 2.38. So, again, 2.38 is nothing to 
you know, run around the house dancing uh, or about uh, backflips and things like that. Yeah, backflips. <clears throat> That's what uh, I always say. Break dancing, whatever whatever <laughs> you like to do, Ethan. Right. But but it's it's certainly uh, you're, you're certainly getting a premium there, right? No doubt. And then when you you go out to twenty years, it's four point four nine percent. The the reason why I wouldn't go out twenty years is what we just talked about. So you have to figure out and say, well, somewhere between a one month treasury bill where I'm earning virtually nothing and a five year, uh, I, it's worth extending the maturity to get that extra yield. We think that exercise should go on in that zero to five year range. Right. That gives you a good uh, protection from a rapidly increasing interest rate environment. But if we have stable interest rates for the next several years, you're getting a nice premium and you're likely to be able to stay ahead of inflation, or at least match it, but also manage that interest rate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, another element that we add in there into our portfolios, and we take a look at what's going on in the marketplace when we do this, are inflation-protected securities. Uh, there are treasuries that actually adjust themselves for inflation each year. So you're guaranteed to get a real yield equivalent to that inflation rate. Uh, so... That is another way of, of protecting yourself on the bond side of the portfolio from inflation. Right. And I would just come add one real quick thing. You know, we're, we're tackling, in a sense, the same equity strategy we, we apply to the bonds. We want to have diversification among bonds. In other words, we have several different types that are of different credit quality and maturity and some that actually adjust for inflation. Right. So we're combating several different issues among fixed income investing with this portfolio, much like you're addressing several different issues among the equity portfolio when you diversify. Right. So you've built a very, very solid bond portfolio. It's got in treasuries, uh, regular treasuries, short and intermediate. You've mm-hmm. got inflation-protected treasuries in this portfolio. And then you've got a little bit of credit. You know, we tend to not go much more over 35% of credit, and those are corporate bonds. But right. research has shown a good place to be in that segment is in the shorter-term area of it and uh, in the very, you know, in the, in the high-quality range. Right. And, and we recommend for most individual investors, they do this with a very efficient uh, bond mutual fund. You know, or ETF. Or an ETF. Right. Um, so I would say one last thing on this piece of this. There's not a lot of risk taken on the bonds. They're, they're meant to be there. I mean, in terms of default risk, there's not a lot of risk, right? Right. And that's really the point. We want to, as Ken always says, uh, spend our risk budget wisely and not allocate to things that really don't have a lot of upside potential returns. Right. But we also don't want to lose, take unnecessary risk there and, and all of a sudden be surprised by a, a bad outcome. Right. In other words, I see a high yield bond that is very low rating. It pays a high dividend, but I'm not positive it's going to be here in a year. You can't get suckered by the yield. We're suggesting don't chase the yield. Yeah. Great. And I think people do get confused about that, Ethan, that the yield is what the return is. Um, and so if you're buying a group of very uh, low-quality bonds and it, it, you're assuming, well, whatever the yield is on those, that's what I'm going to get because I'll hold those bonds till I'm mature, you're failing to factor in the fact that some of them might not make it to maturity. Uh, there is a default rate yep. in high-yield bonds, right? And mm-hmm. certain times, usually when you need the bonds the most, when stock markets are going down, uh, that default rate goes higher, might be four percent in a particular year. Right. Uh, so if you had a ten percent yield, but four percent of the bonds disappeared, you didn't get a ten percent return. Yeah, exactly okay. right. So 
Moving right along, Ethan. Okay. You built a, a bond portfolio, and the other added bonus to the way you structure this shorter-term, higher-quality bonds is that it has, a again, a lower relationship to the stock market. High-yield bonds have a higher relationship to the stock market. When we went through the financial crisis, high-yield bonds dropped significantly. So they weren't a great diversifier away from the stock market <laughs> at a time when you needed that. Uh, we look at bond funds, I think, high-yield bond funds that were down 35%, right? Or thereabouts right. during the crisis. Well, that's equity stock, rather, types of volatility. Yeah. Try to avoid that on the bond side. Okay. When we come back, let's talk about the other threat, volatility. All right. And then how we manage that. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. 
All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ethan? Yep. Let's do it. We got nine minutes left. and uh, Let's knock it out. We're going to talk about uh, the second biggest threat to, to uh, a portfolio, particularly one that is for an individual that's nearing retirement or in retirement, and that's volatility. Exactly. So we talked about how inflation can slowly erode your wealth and eat away at the, the income that you need. Mm-hmm. But uh, volatility can do a very uh, another type of damage, which basically comes in and wipes out your portfolio in one one fell swoop. Right. Um, and this idea that I think a lot of investors aren't aware of that you know if you had two portfolios with the same average return, a portfolio that has less volatility, less ups and downs, uh, will tend to generate a greater amount of wealth or a higher compound rate of return. So. If you had to choose, you'd rather have the portfolio that gives you a smoother ride. Furthermore, you'd rather have one that reduces the risk of some unexpected black swan type of event wiping things out. Right? Yeah, sure. So we're going to take a look at, well, how, how, how would you do that? Well, if you're sitting in cash right now and you've just been too scared to get back into the market, one approach is, well, we just talked about building a very solid uh, bond portfolio. Right. Um, you're not going to get phenomenal yields, but you should be able to stay ahead of inflation with that bond component. Right. The extra growth that you're going to need, you can structure your with your equities. You yep. start to add stocks in. But what if we just did something that was very conservative, like 30% stock? Are there things that we can do when we mix that with that bond portfolio that can get us a reasonable return? Oh, well, one way is if we we're doing 30% stocks, right, Ethan? Mm-hmm. 70% of it is not subject to that black swan event of stock markets being wiped out. Right. So we could probably do some different things, maybe a little bit unique. We could take a look at the research and the science around constructing portfolios and say, hey, rather than just own a general U.S. stock market portfolio and letting that be my stock component, are there some some cool ideas that I can implement here to get jack up my return a little bit, my expected return, mm-hmm. that don't rely on me predicting the future or trying to hire some guru who's going to get me in the right stock at the right time or the right sector. Right. And the answer to that question, Ethan, is yes, there is. I'm sure there, there is. are some things you can do. And uh, let's take a look at it. All right. So if we look back and some really smart guys in various universities around the globe have done a lot of research, guys much smarter than you or I. True. Uh, They've looked at this and they said, you know what? There is something unique here. Um, All the stock picking and market timing and Wall Street garbage doesn't really add a lot of value. But there is something we see here, and that's that small companies' stocks, whether it's in the U.S. market, the international markets, emerging markets, they tend to have more risk, and investors have been rewarded as a result of that risk with a higher rate of return. Right. So if we look back um, in time, you know, there's been somewhere close to a 2 to 3% premium just for owning small companies over large companies. Yeah. Furthermore, if we own value companies, and what we mean by value is companies that have a lower, uh, we're paying a lower price per dollar of earnings or book value that the company, maybe the company has... You know, ten million dollars of of assets, as an example, and we're paying, you know, eleven million dollars for the company. Right? We're not paying a lot more than what the assets are of the company, mm-hmm. versus a company that's got ten million dollars of assets, but we're paying twenty million dollars for the company. 
that one has, we're paying a lot more. It's more expensive. That'd be more of a growth company. Does, right. that, does that make sense? Yep, does that ring sense. your bell a little bit? It does. So these value companies, because they tend to be less glamorous stocks and tend to be companies that have either been distressed or going through some tough times, and that's why they're cheap, have higher expected returns. So if we look at small and value at the same time, going back to 1927, you've gotten almost 4% a year higher return simply by own, focusing on small value U.S. stocks rather than large growth companies or large blend. Wow. You do that same exercise now. And here's the magic of this. There's nothing up my sleeves, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> my hands are on the table. Uh, you do this exercise now where you start to add in these unique asset classes like small value, small companies, micro cap. You do it in international markets, international small value right. emerging. And then you throw in some cool stuff like REITs, real estate investments. have over the last 40 years done a little bit better than just the general stock, U.S. stock market have. Right. You throw in some international, maybe a little mix of uh, commodities there. Uh, you wind up building a portfolio then that's got a high, pretty high expected rate of return. You know, in fact, if you did this and, and you did it at a pretty aggressive level, we run multiple portfolios with different weightings uh, into all these, but our most aggressive over that 1970, it's done about 15.5%. Um, not counting any fees that you would pay to have a guy like you run the portfolio, but just looking at the general funds and, and the indices that we would use to construct this. Right, and, and this is not a this is a diversified portfolio, right? I mean, you have not hundreds, not thousands, but thousands of thousands, thousands of stocks, of stocks in this. Right, and eleven thousand to fifteen thousand stocks, and it required no market timing or stock picking ability. No, you it see? required discipline to rebalance the portfolio on an annual basis. Right. So you got to stick with that. That's it. Uh, so yeah, you, here you now instead of uh, or the last from 1970 right to end of 2010, you had the S and P around 10. percent mm -hmm. You've got an equity portfolio though that had a uh, over five percent premium per year. Now you compound that; that's a huge difference. Sure does. Well, let's come back to the bond portfolio. So what happens when we take that high expected return stock portfolio because we put these aggressive asset classes in there? And we mix it with a very large amount of that bonds. Well, what you get is a portfolio on a 30-70 basis, 30% stock. That's done, you know, did about 10.4%. So it still did better than the S&P 500, mm -hmm. the all U.S. stock. But when you look at the risk, when you look at, hey, what were the, what were the you know, the down years? And 95% of the, the down periods, you'd see that, it it would drop about a, a sixth of the of the value that the S and P would lose in a down market. Wow! So on average, you know, if you said, "Hey, ninety five percent of the worst case scenarios, the S and P would drop about twenty six percent over that last forty one years." This portfolio, what four four and a half or something, Ethan? Yeah, yeah, four point four. Four point four, um, but yet had a higher rate of return. Part of that is what we talked about. That now you've built a portfolio that has less volatility, high, higher that tends to generate a higher compound return. Uh, but the other part is you mixed it with these unique asset classes that had higher expected returns. Right. You have kind of, a, a, in a sense, a barbell approach. you got an extremely conservative bond portfolio on the one end and mm -hmm. a very super, sort of supercharged equity portfolio. Super-duper charged. I think that's good stuff. Okay, then we're, we're running a little short on time, but the general idea on this, uh, and if we look at you know how, we, how, we, uh, how this did over... Uh, you know, just last few years, in 2008, the S&P dropped about 37%. Uh, 
Uh, in that case, at 37, he dropped about 11, so about a fourth of the volatility. Wow. Um, but in the subsequent recovery year, 2009, it, it uh, did about 18% when the S&P did about 26. Mm-hmm. So you had about 70% of the upside participation and about 30% of the downside. Right. That's a pretty unique way of doing things. Pretty good trade-off. Um, it's, it's an interesting way of looking at your portfolio construction. And we can talk about this a little more next week, Ethan, as kind of our lead-in. Okay. Uh, but we've got to go. We're out of time. But, uh, again, give us a call, 1-800-923-4307, if there's anything we can do for you. Thanks for listening to Empirical Investing Radio, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you next week. The advice given on this show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as investment advice. Please consult a financial advisor before undertaking any investment decisions. While the show's producers have tried to provide accurate and timely information and have relied on sources they believe to be reliable, the show may include inadvertent technical or factual inaccuracies. Ken Smith and Ethan Broga do not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the materials provided and expressly disclaim any warranties or merchantability or fitness for a particular purpose. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.